This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. So probably 15 years or so ago, I heard a pastor just mention in passing, uh, you know, praying and giving and fasting, and he kind of just kind of blew past it. And I was just like, I didn't know that like Christians like still fasted. Like, is that a thing? Uh, and so I began to, first of all, read through the Bible. That's a great place to start whenever you have questions about life and uh, how to honor God with your life. And I, I began to see a lot of uh, interesting things in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels where Jesus talked a lot about fasting. Then I was struck by when Jesus gave indications on how to live the Christian life. He says, when you pray, here's how you should pray. Uh, You should enter into a closet. Uh, Don't be uh, out in public trying to get the praise from people when you pray. When you give, you should give and don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Give it in secret and your father which sees you in secret will reward you openly. And then he said this, which totally blew my mind. When you fast... And I thought, wait a minute, I've heard a lot of messages about giving, a lot of messages about praying. I've never heard anybody preach a message on fasting. But Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast, the idea is that you would fast and here's how you should do it. And no lie, I felt like it was one of those moments like for me in my Christian life where it's just like, I think I've been missing out on something for a really long time. And I, so I began to do research. I began to talk to uh, my pastor and some other folks, and I came across a, a book that absolutely changed my life on the idea of uh, fasting. And if you're interested in more information about uh, the book that I read, it's called A Hunger for God by John Piper. We have a copy of it in our bookstore. I don't agree with John Piper's theology and, and his view on soteriology and things like that. The book on fasting is just solid, though. And so it was a game changer for me because I realized it was a part of my Christian life that I had neglected. Uh, and so when we started Who We Call It, I thought to myself, I want to teach our church family how to fast and pray. And so uh, several years I taught a series, uh, several years ago I taught a series on fasting. And so this is not a, just a reheated version of that. I've gone back to the scriptures again and uh, dug, dug in some more and have some things that I think will be a help to you as we take a look over the next uh, probably six weeks or so, uh, the idea of fasting. And so uh, tonight's message I've entitled Examining Our Hearts Through Fasting, Part 1. What does that mean? That means there's a part two that's coming next week. So uh, this is just the, the first portion of this. This, is, this uh, message and probably this series is going to be a little bit more topical in nature. I, I want to explain that to you, what that means and why that's a necessity uh, from time to time in Bible preaching. Typically what we do here at Who We Call and typically good Bible preaching is what we refer to as experience expository Bible preaching. What we do is we take a look at a text and talk about that text. Uh, This morning you saw that in the book of Romans chapter 2. We took a look at those three verses, verse by verse, line by line, word by word, phrase by phrase. Here's what this means and here's how it ties in with the rest of scripture. That's good Bible preaching. Topical preaching from time to time will require us to step outside of a particular text and look at the Bible as a whole. For example, there's no one particular passage in Scripture that deals with all of fasting. There's principles scattered throughout. Uh, There's different things that we can glean from different passages of Scripture. So from time to time, uh, it might be necessary. Tonight is one of those opportunities 
to take a look at a message from a topical perspective. It's more of a 30,000 foot view of scripture as opposed to a five foot view of scripture, if that makes sense. And so so tonight's message is going to be a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. The problem comes when churches or pastors only preach topically. Uh, I'm going to preach on love, and I'm going to preach on a love for God, and love for your neighbor, and a love for your church, and a a love for your enemies, and a love for uh, pizza, and a love for, you know, uh, all these other things. And it's just like, you're just kind of grabbing verses willy-nilly and smashing it together in an order that you like. That's dangerous because uh, we can sometimes shift the Bible to say what, what we want to say as opposed to letting God say what God's Word says. Does that make sense? And so I just want to help you to be better Bible preaching listeners uh, and understand what good Bible preaching looks like. And so, uh, and, and again, when I say good Bible preaching, I'm not saying like I'm a great Bible preacher. I'm saying good Bible preaching is telling you what the Bible says, if that makes sense. So uh, tonight, Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to start in uh, verse number 1. God's talking to the children of Israel, all the commandments which I command thee this day, you shall observe and do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now shalt remember the Lord all the way which the Lord God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So again, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. God's promised it for 40 years that they would go in. And he said, hey, I want you to remember this moment. And verse number three, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make to thee to know that man doth not live by bread only, but out of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. He goes on to say, Your raiment didn't wax old upon you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thy heart as a man that, that chasteneth his son, so the Lord chasteneth thee. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, and I hope that you are, some of these verses sound really familiar to you because they're quoted in the New Testament, uh, either uh, in chastening in the book of Hebrews or uh, the idea of man not living by bread alone when Christ was tempted in the wilderness. But the idea is this. Our food is directly connected to our need for God. When we think about food and all the food that we get to enjoy, it's directly connected to God's provision in our life. You've never eaten a meal that God didn't provide for you. You've never been sustained for your nutritional needs by something that God himself did not create. Hopefully when you sit down and you pray for your meals, you're thankful to God that you're able to eat a meal because that's what he's provided to you. Now, When we take the food that we have and we say, I don't want to eat this on purpose, there has to be a really good reason behind that. When we think about the idea of fasting, not all fasting is necessarily spiritual or scriptural or anything like that. Uh, From time to time, I'll go to my doctor and he'll say, hey, I need you to do a blood draw. When you get your blood drawn, we'll take a look at your uh, CBCs. We'll take a look at how we go from there. And the question that I always ask uh, before my blood draw is this. What is it? Do I need to fast? Uh, Can I eat? And sometimes they say like, oh, you can eat up to 12 o'clock the night before. And man, 11.58, I'm in the pantry like down in wheat thins and crackers and everything else because I want to make sure that I get it in before the clock clock strikes midnight. Thankfully, most times my doctor says, no, you don't need to fast. You can take it any time. I'm like, yes. 
But if you've ever had to fast for a, a medical test like that, at like if the clinic opens at 7 o'clock, there's people lined up at like 6.45 with like a Gatorade in hand and a candy bar in the other. Like the second I get my blood drawn, I'm going to eat. Cases like that is fasting, but it's not for necessarily a spiritual purpose. And so we need to understand what fasting from a spiritual perspective looks like. First thing we need to understand is that God's given us the gift of food. Now, when you think about it this way, God fed the children of Israel with manna in the wilderness for 40 years. If you can imagine eating the exact same meal for 40 years, it would probably get old after a while. I mean, when you think about something like chicken, I love chicken. There's a thousand different ways you can cook chicken, right? (laughs) There wasn't anything that you could do with manna. You couldn't like add some pepper to it or put some hot sauce in your manna. Like, oh, what, what kind of manna do you have? I got deep fried manna over here. It was just manna. You know, like, and it was just the same day after day to the point where the children of Israel even got mad at God and complained. And God says, fine, uh, you want flesh? You want meat? I'll give it to you until it runs out your nostrils, until you vomit. And then they went back and they was like, hey, God, uh, we're good with manna. That's fine with us now. So for you and I to be able to enjoy food, is actually a gift from God. Uh, The Bible says that God's given us all things richly to enjoy, so it's not a sin to enjoy your food. Uh, Now, again, I believe that we have to be uh, cognizant of the way that our food interacts with our health and things like that, and so we can't just eat donuts for for three meals a day, although I would love to do that. Uh, But God has given us a gift of food, and so it's not a bad thing. It's something God's given us to enjoy. But like any good thing, good things can become idols, as we've seen uh, in our look through the book of Romans. There's certain things in my life that can overtake me to the point where I need to have it. I have to have it. I have to confess to you, there was a point in time in my life where food became idolatry. Uh, As I was eating a meal, I was constantly thinking about what the next meal was. Or as I was eating uh, a burger and fries, I was thinking to myself, ooh, what am I going to get for dessert? And every decision that I made that day was driven around food. Man, I'm done eating. I'm not even hungry yet, but I'm already planning ahead where I'm going to have dinner, what I'm going to have, and things along those lines. And so at some point, food can become idolatry for us. And so uh, we really need to be careful with our relationship with food. And so, so many times we think of of idols uh, being things that are wicked and sinful and carnal. Many times, idolatry can just be things that are really good, but we put in place of God. Now, as we get into this idea behind fasting, I want to to say from the uh, perspective in the beginning, I'm not a medical doctor. That might actually shock you, but I'm not. Uh, I can't give you medical advice. I can't tell you what type of fast is good for you or for your health or for um, diabetics and non-diabetics or people who have this uh, issue or the other. So this isn't uh, attacking fasting from a, looking at it from a medical perspective, but more of a spiritual fasting. Also, when we look at fasting, we need to understand what actually constitutes a fast. Uh, I've heard of so many different types of fasts, for example, a media fast or social media fast, a cell phone fast, a money fast, a gym fast, reading fast. I like this. I'm not going to read anything for the next uh, two weeks. That would be great for me. Uh, Church fast. I've heard of people doing a a fork and spoon fast. Uh, Like, I'm not going to use a fork and spoon. Basically, I have to eat whatever food I eat with my hands. Uh, I've eaten a steak with my hands before, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, But uh, some people have uh, have taken a church fast, which I think is foolish. An elevator fast. I'm only taking the stairs. Uh, A pillow fast. I'm not going to sleep with a pillow. A snooze button fast. I'm not going to use the snooze button for the next week. I've heard somebody taking um, a hot water fast, where they take showers uh, in cold water. Uh, Now, again, Could some of these be helpful in some particular case or another? Probably so. I think everybody should take a social media fast until you die. Uh, But (laughs) 
that's beside the point. Uh, could some of these be helpful? Maybe, possibly. And again, the guy that I talked to, he's taking a hot water fast where he's taking cold showers because he wants to think about people in uh, third world countries that don't have access to clean drinking water and things like that. Is that helpful? Probably so. Does that constitute a fast? None of these constitute an actual fast. Again, you might give it up for a certain period of time. Uh, you know, again, in Catholicism, they give up something during the period of Lent, the time between, um, you know, Ash Wednesday and or whatever their time period is. The 40 days prior to Easter, uh, they have a fast that they do for Lent. Uh, we're not Catholics. We don't do Lent. Uh, we don't do fasts uh, that are uh, for a particular purpose uh, like that uh, that they do. But when we talk about fasting, what we're talking about is eating sparingly or abstaining from food altogether, either from necessity or desire, to abstain from uh, all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. So again, as we, we talked about, we could fast for medical purposes. You could fast for health purposes. I know some people in an effort to lose weight do th- something called intermittent fasting where they uh, fast for 16 hours out of the day and only eat during eight hours of the day. Or some people that are like super hardcore will fast for 20 hours throughout the day and eat in a four-hour window there. Again, Fasting in and of itself is not even necessarily a Christian thing or a spiritual thing. You can fast for a multitude of reasons. But, so when we talk about fasting, we need to define what that means for us as Christians as we fast. And again, one can fast for medical or health reasons. Uh, again, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to control, control my uh, blood sugar levels and things along those lines. That's not what we're talking about when we talk from a biblical perspective of fasting. You might fast from a biblical and spiritual perspective, and you might lose weight. Uh, You might not. The goal of fasting from a biblical perspective is not to lose weight or to improve my health or to uh, make my skin look better or anything along those lines. Uh, The goal from a Christian perspective is totally different. Spiritual fasting entails the reducing of intake of food and replacing these with activities with the exercise of prayer and preoccupation with spiritual concerns. (coughs) So let me break that down for you. What that means is, if, say, for example, tomorrow I'm going to fast for lunch. I'm going to take that time at lunch that I would normally eat a meal, and I'm not just going to work through lunch and get some more done on the job and, and things along those lines. That would just, for most of us, be a regular Monday, right? There, there's times where, like, I don't eat breakfast because I didn't have time. I'm always shocked by people who like, Oh, I left the house and I forgot to eat today. Look, I've been alive for 45 years and I've never forgotten to eat, ever. That probably explains the size that I am, but I've never forgotten to eat. And so if you're the type of person who's like, oh, I usually don't eat breakfast, so that's my fast. That's not a fast. It's a purposeful time that I say, hey, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to replace it with prayer, focus on God, Bible reading, Uh, meditation on the Word of God. I'm going to take this mealtime and I'm going to replace it with something that will benefit me from a spiritual perspective. That's what we're looking at when we're talking about fasting. Biblical fasting always deals with food 100% of the time. So again, you might do a cell phone fast or social media fast. That's fine. That might be helpful for you. It would probably be a good thing for many people, but that's not a biblical fast. When we talk about the, the Bible word that's used for fasting, literally means one who is not eaten, one who is empty, or one who is hungry. So again, when we talk about biblical fast, it always, 100% of the time, deals with food. So again, when we look at different types of fast, there's three major fasts that we see in the Bible, and one that you should never try at home. First type of uh, fast that we see is in Scripture is a normal fast. 
Uh, this is no intake of food for a prescribed period of time, uh, though there might be an actual uh, time for intake of liquids, for example. Uh, if I'm going to fast for lunch tomorrow, I can drink water. Uh, that would be a normal fast, but I don't eat solid food. Uh, I might drink coffee or tea for uh, a couple of days or, uh, you know, protein shakes and things along those lines, uh, fruit smoothies, uh, but I don't actually eat uh, uh, solid foods. That would be an example of a normal fast. And so that's the, the typical fast that we see in Scripture uh, where somebody either has uh, liquids only or maybe a, a, a total fast of, uh, of no food or liquid at all, but a normal fast is generally going to be no liquids, or, I'm sorry, liquids only, no solid foods. Second type of fast we see in the Bible is a partial fast. We take a look at a partial fast. This is when your diet is limited, but some type of food is allowed. Uh, if you're taking notes right beside this, the Daniel fast. Daniel says, I'm not going to eat of the king's meat. I'm only going to eat vegetables, pulse, uh, basically ground up vegetables. That's what I'm going to eat only. That would be an example of a particular food group or food type uh, that I'm not going to eat. For example, if you were to do uh, a partial fast, you might say, hey, I'm going to eat no meat for the week. That would be a terrible week for me. Um, you'd say, hey, I'm going to eat no bread for the week. Uh, that would be a, a, a terrible fast for me. I could say, though, and again, this is really important. I'm, this is not just a joke. I could say, I'm not going to eat vegetables all week, Right? And that would not be a fast for me. That would just be a regular week for me, right? I mean, like, I eat no vegetables at all anyway, so it's no big deal. But here's the important part about fasting. It's, it's not a, a fast to give up something that you don't want anyways. Hey, I'm not going to eat broccoli all week. Yeah, I haven't eaten broccoli since I was like five, and so that wouldn't be a thing for me. I can give up broccoli for the rest of my life and never miss it. To say I'm not going to eat meat this week that would be a huge deal for me. Uh, to say, hey, I'm not going to eat bread this week. That would be a, an example of a, a partial fast. I'm going to eat food, but not certain types of food. And, and I, I've known solid Christian folks in our church before that are on a meat fast, and we'll order pizza, and they'll be picking off the pepperonis over there on the side uh, because they're not going to eat meat uh, in this particular case. That would be an example of a partial fast. The most prominent person that we see do that in Scripture is, uh, is Daniel. Then we have what's referred to as the absolute fast. Uh, this would be uh, total absence of all food, all liquids. Uh, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to drink any water. Again, be super cautious with this because your body needs fluids to live. Uh, you can go weeks, even months without solid food and continue to live and continue to sustain your life. You cannot go without water for weeks and months at a time. Uh, if you were to try to do an absolute fast, probably by the end of the first day, you're going to be feeling like absolute trash. Uh, you're going to feel awful. And so, again, when we do these things, we have to be really, really careful with how we do them from a health perspective. Let me just say this, too. God does not get glorified by foolishness. If you don't eat or drink anything for a week and you wind up in the hospital stuck on IVs, that's not a God be the glory moment for you, okay? That's like, a, hey, you don't know how to take care of yourself issue. And again, if you get checked into the hospital and they're like, oh, we're going to put you on an IV, and you're like, no, please don't. Uh, I'm, I'm going through a time of fasting and prayer with God. They're going to be like, dude, you're crazy, right? Uh, that's not a, a, a good testimony to the Lord. And so again, there's a, a measure of walking in wisdom when it comes to, to fasting with this. I recommend when people are starting out fasting, fast for a meal. Uh, again, say, hey, I'm not going to eat lunch uh, for today. Again, most people can wake up, you know, if we wake up at, uh, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, you can skip breakfast and kind of power through to lunchtime. Again, that's not really a fast. The idea, again, of fasting is one who is empty. 
you recognize that you need to eat, but you purposely choose not to. That's the idea behind fasting. So we have to be really wise when it comes to this. The fourth type of fast that we see in the Bible, and the one that no one should ever possibly hope to ever try, don't do this uh, for sure, I don't care how godly you think that you are, is what's referred to as the supernatural absolute fast. These are people who eat or drink nothing for 40 days. And there's three people in Scripture that have done it. First of all, there's Moses who did it twice. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse number 9, when I was gone up into the mount to receive the tablets of stone, even the tab- tables of the covenant which the Lord made you, then I abode in the mount 40 days and 40 nights, neither, neither did eat bread nor drink water. If you try to go 40 days without food or drink, you will die 100% of the time. Don't try it. Uh, second time, Deuteronomy 9, 18, and I fell down before the Lord at first 40 days and 40 nights, and neither did I eat bread nor drink water because of all of your sins which you had sinned and doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So again, uh, twice Moses did this. Uh, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 8, he arose and did eat and drink and went and strengthened that meat 40 days and 40 nights into Horeb in the Mount of God. After Elijah had called down fire from heaven, he sitting beside the, uh, uh, the uh, river, asked God to take his life and kill him. God sends him a primitive ver- version of Uber Eats to restore him, sends uh, ravens to bring him food by the, uh, the brook there. He ate that. And he went in the strength of that for 40 days. So he had a meal uh, supernaturally provided by God and went for 40 days. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, right after he was baptized, goes in the wilderness. Nothing to eat, nothing to drink for 40 days. And then he's tempted by the devil at a moment of of severe uh, need in his life. Again, those are unique instances. Just like you can't call down fire from heaven, you also cannot uh, fast for 40 days without food or drink. You're going to die. Don't try it. Uh, just like you've never gone up into the Mount Sinai to have God write on stone tablets with his own finger, you also cannot uh, sit on a mountain for 40 days without food or water. You will die. So these are things that, uh, again, when we talk about three types of fast, this one doesn't even factor into types of fast that you and I should try. So uh, the first step of any type of fast is to declare our immediate purpose. Why are we fasting? What am I trying to accomplish here? There's multiple reasons why we fast in Scripture, and we'll take a look at some of these uh, through the course of our series. Uh, We fast because we desire the presence of God in our lives. Sometimes we fast for repentance of sin. Uh, Sometimes we we fast because uh, we truly want God to work in a particular instance or a particular case. Uh, Sometimes we fast because we want to know God's mind and we want to have God's wisdom. Uh, There's a multitude of reasons. You don't just fast because like, hey, I think I'm fasting. I'm not really sure why I'm fasting, but I'm going to anyways. No, no, no. You always have a reason why. Maybe it's a, a, a closeness with Christ. Uh, maybe it's uh, to focus on prayer. Uh, maybe it's to repent of sin. Uh, maybe it's for the health of a family member. Uh, maybe it's for a, a family member or a friend who's fallen into sin and is away from God. But there has to be a, a purpose uh, behind it. And so uh, this isn't something that we do flippantly. It's not something we do casually. Again, I, I don't just wake up on a Monday and go, oh, I think I'm going to fast for breakfast and I'll skip breakfast and, and catch up for lunch. It's a deliberate, intentional plan that I have uh, to empty myself of my food and essentially empty myself of myself uh, so that I can be filled with God, so that I can be filled with God's word, uh, so that I can walk in God's power and God's strength and not my own. And so we fast at the end of the day because we desire a greater connectedness to God. You'll never realize how truly dependent you are upon God unless you fasted for any length of time. 
If you've never had to go hungry, which the majority of Americans have never had to go hungry a day in their lives. Angela and I, uh, we went to um, Europe uh, for our 20-year anniversary. We went to to London, and we go there, and we go to McDonald's like all Americans do, uh, and we order, you know, hamburger and fries and a soda. Well, the hamburger comes, and it looks like a kid-sized hamburger. The French fries are no lie what we would consider like Happy Meal-sized fries, uh, like teeny tiny thing of fries, and the drink was like maybe eight ounces, and it's just like, I, I went back up, like, did I get the kids meal or something here? And they're just looking at me like, what are you, fat Americans? Like, what's your problem? <laughs> and you realize Americans overindulge in everything, like everything. We're a, a gluttonous people. The majority of Americans have never had to go hungry before. And so if you've ever had to go hungry, you've ever fasted, you realize, I think I take a lot of things for granted. I think I take food for granted. I mean, I go to the pantry and I open it up and there's just food there. And if you're like me or you're like my kids, you go and you stand there in the refrigerator forever and you're like, oh, oh, and then you close it and then you open up the freezer and you're like, oh, and you close that and you open up the pantry and you're like, oh, and then you say what? Somebody help me with it. There's nothing to eat. Absolutely nothing to eat here, you know, except for the full pantry with stuff falling out, except for the refrigerator where you couldn't put in a two liter of soda if you had to, the deep freezer that's all the way to the top full of food, but you don't want that kind of food. You want like what you want, you know, and so that's the, the, the tough spot that we as Americans get in, and again, that's a picture of God's blessing. Let me just say that that we can go into a store and pull out our, our wallet and swipe a card and take food with us. That's a novel concept in, in many places of the world. But when you purposely say, I'm not gonna eat, and then your stomach begins to rumble and you begin to smell everything that everybody else is eating, and you say, no, I choose not to, it has some way of helping you recognize all the things that you take for granted. One time I'd been fasting for several days of, of solid food. I'd been, been drinking, but I'd been fasting from solid food. And we walked through Sam's Club, and they had one of those giant things of cheese balls, <laughs> right? Which is just nasty. Like, I don't even know what that's made of. Like, styrofoam and cheese dust, right? Like, ugh. But, like, I walked past it, and I could smell the cheese through the plastic container. And it's just like I could eat that entire thing in one sitting right now, right? And it has that effect on you. And then you remember, I could eat that, but I don't want to because I really just want to be closer in my walk with God. I, I desire God more than I desire cheese balls. And that sounds crazy to say. In that moment where you take the most disgusting food you can imagine and you eat it like, you know, a baby on their first birthday shoveling cake down their pie hole, you know? But you say, I could do that, but I purposely choose not to. That's where we purposely deny ourselves for the purpose of getting closer to God. Fasting really is a matter of humbling. But take a look at our text in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 2, and thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord God led thee through the wilderness. Get this, to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. 
So when we fast, whether it's for a meal or for a day or for a week, we remind ourselves that more than our stomachs long for the pleasure of food, our, song, our souls long for the presence of God. Hey, more than I want to sit down and, and eat a hamburger and french fries or want to eat a grilled chicken breast and rice or, or, you know, eat my asparagus and my steak, I really just want to be close to God. I, I really long to know God on a level that I've never known Him before. And I'm going to take this 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes that I would normally sit and enjoy this meal, and I'm going to sit down and just enjoy God. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to meditate on the Psalms. I'm going to go to an area of Scripture of a sin that I struggle with, and I'm going to meditate on this, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God for His deliverance from this that has a stranglehold on my life and help me to walk in repentance. That's what I desire today. I don't want to eat something, a Snickers bar that I got out of the vending machine. I just want to know God. I just want to be right with God. And so it's a matter of humbling myself before God and saying, God, more than I want this stuff, I really just want you. When we're satisfied in him and by him in a way that nothing in this world can compare to, not even the daily necessity of food. I don't know about you, but I enjoy food. I don't like to just eat whatever. I want to enjoy what I eat. Like, even in times where I, I come home from work and I make myself a peanut butter sandwich, like, I get, like, squishy soft bread, and I get super crunch peanut butter, like, with the extra, for those of you that are creamy, I'm sorry, um, extra crunch, and then after I do that and, and smash my bread together softly so I don't smash it too much, right, I go to the cabinet, I look, do we have Doritos, do we have Funyuns, do we have pretzel sticks, uh, like, do we have, like, I'm looking through there, like, ooh, what do we have? Uh, every now and then we got some tortilla chips, and I was like, ooh, do we have tortilla chips? Do we have salsa? Like, like, hey, this is a peanut butter sandwich, but this is like gourmet level peanut butter sandwich. Like, I'm going to enjoy this. I, I never eat just for the sake of keeping myself alive. I enjoy food. Like, <laughs> several years ago, there's this thing uh, they're shown on the internet where you basically buy these, this prepackaged food, and they mix it up. It's like mush like applesauce, and it contains all the daily nutri- nutrients and vitamins you have, and you eat like three of these mush cocktails a day, uh, and it sustains you. And I thought, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Like, why would you just shovel stuff into your body and not enjoy your food? Like, I want to chew it. I want to enjoy it. And so when you enjoy food on that level to say, hey, I'm going to do without this week. I'm going to do without for today. Hey, we're all going over to to Joe's house and he's grilling steaks. Okay, I'll go, but I'm not eating for dinner tonight. And we'll get into that a little bit later in this study. Like, if you're fasting, you go to somebody's house, you should probably tell them ahead of time, like, hey, I'm not being rude or I don't dislike your food. I'm just currently in a a phase of fasting. I'm just not eating tonight. And and don't feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm doing this on purpose and I want everybody else to enjoy their food, but I just can't right now because I'm kind of doing my own thing. But when I say like, oh man, maybe I'll fast on Monday then because Joe always has great steaks at his house. You're missing the point of fasting. The whole purpose is that I choose to do without because I greatly desire the presence of God in my life. And so it's a totally different perspective from that, that perspective. Fasting makes sense as a discipline in the Christian life only if it's connected with a desire for Christ. 
So again, I don't just skip a meal because I can do without a meal. I'm not going to go down to one meal a day just because it's convenient. I only need one meal a day. I know, I know s- several people who are just, I only eat one meal a day. It's the only time I get hungry. That's not fasting. And again, if I say like, oh, I'm doing this intermittent fasting thing where I you know, eat eight hours a day and I, I don't eat for the next 16 hours and things like that, that doesn't have a spiritual purpose behind it. And so that's not what we're talking about. This is a purpose. Uh, again, the idea behind this is this directly connected with a desire to know Jesus. Again, we'll get into this later in our study, but when the apostles didn't fast and everybody else was fasting, like, hey, Jesus, what's up with your guys? Man, they're not fasting. And Jesus says, they don't fast when the bridegroom is with them. They fast when I leave. When I leave, they're going to fast plenty then. And the idea that Jesus had there was that they already had the presence of Jesus. Therefore, they didn't need to fast. When his physical presence was gone, then they would long to be connected to him. Then they would fast. And so again, the, the desire for fasting is a desire to be greater connected to Jesus Christ. And now again, if I'm just skipping a meal and I'm working through lunch, that's not fasting. If I'm just like, hey, I'll eat a late breakfast and just go on with my day, you know, cleaning the house or washing the car or cutting the grass, that's not fasting. Again, the idea is that I'm taking this time that would normally be set aside to that and I'm communing with God. I'm spending time in His Word. I'm meditating on Scripture. I'm memorizing Scripture. I'm praying. I'm repenting of sin. I'm drawing closer to Christ during this time. It's not, it's so much more than just skipping a meal. And so the thing is in our lives is that we're so consumed with stuff if it's not food, it's our social media, or it's the news, or it's what's going on in the world here today, or it's our culture, and what culture wants to shove down your throat, or it's work, and we can always, if you're like me, you can always get more work done in the day, right? Like for me, I could stay at work till, till midnight, and I still wouldn't have it all done. There has to come a point where I have to say enough is enough, and we get consumed by all these things. That Sometimes we need to just stop and, and like put the world not on pause but on stop and just pull aside and spend time with Jesus that's what fasting allows us to do and and when you're sitting at your your desk and you're not eating lunch and you're starving to death and you're starving to death in air quotes right I don't know that any of us would starve to death but you're sitting there you're hungry you haven't eaten since eight o'clock this morning you're not going to eat again until five o'clock this afternoon and you're spending time with God and the word you're spending time in prayer, and about 2 o'clock comes, and you hear somebody munching on some Doritos in the cubicle next to you, and you like smell the nacho cheese coming over, or the Cool Ranch coming over, and you smell that, and you're just like, no, I just want Jesus today. That's all I want. That's where we begin to see fasting take on its real purpose. Fasting is always coupled together with fervent prayer. You don't see a single solitary time in all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation where there's a fasting without prayer. The two always go together. And so again, it's important that as we do this, we have a purpose in mind. I have a reason why I'm fasting, whether it's for repentance or uh, for a a family member or for somebody's health or uh, for a situation that's going on in my life or just a a greater desire to know God or, you know, I've been filled up with garbage for all this time. I need to, 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 quote, detox and spend some time with Jesus. But it's always coupled together with prayer. There's not a single time in the Bible that somebody fasts and they don't pray. They're just inseparable. So again, what makes Christian fasting unique is we have a purpose behind it and we're going to pray when we fast. Prayer is always specific. Again, we don't 
we don't fast and pray for some arbitrary reason. Like, I, I'm not really sure why I'm fasting today. I just felt led to do that. That's not a thing. And, and again, so many times people make the, the Christian life, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't know the word to use other than just weird. Like, like, oh, the Spirit was leading me to drive out to the end of where H1 ends. I'm just going to sit out there and, and listen to the waves roll in and listen for the voice of God while I fast. That's weird, okay? God doesn't call us to do that. Find a quiet place and read the Bible or pray. I'm okay with that. But we don't, uh, there's a church over here on, on Baratania that had a contemplative prayer service. And somebody asked me, hey, what's contemplative prayer? I was just like, I, I don't even know what that means. And so I went to their website and looked it up. And so basically you show up at the church uh, and you go into this room with all these other people and they turn the lights off and nobody speaks for an hour while you listen for the voice of God. Okay, that sounds like a great place to take a nap. Like, the question, first question I have, do they have AC? Uh, if the answer to that is yes, I'm gonna sign me up, I'm bringing a pillow and a sleeping bag, right? Uh, turn the lights off, nobody talks. That's not a Bible thing. It, look, if you want to hear the voice of God, read his word. Amen. Sit in a room listening for something. Did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. I totally heard that, you know. God's telling me to drive to the end of H1 and listen to the waves. No, he didn't. God's calling you to obedience and righteousness. But here's the thing. We don't want to hear that. We want to sit in a dark room and wait to hear from it. It doesn't work that way. So we, we sometimes make the Christian life this weird, mystical thing that it's just not supposed to be. Finally, ultimately, we fast because we desire the presence of God more than we desire to be filled with food. Bottom line. I recommend if you're fasting, fast for a meal. And I don't say this to, to um, I don't know, be weird or anything like that. But when you fast, you should feel like you're doing without. That's the whole purpose. Again, the Bible word for fasting is one who is empty. So again, if I know that I'm fasting today, and for breakfast, you know, I, I eat like, you know, six eggs and, you know, a half pound of bacon and, a, you know, 12 biscuits and, you know, a side of sausage because I'm fasting for lunch, you missed the point. It isn't I'm going to load up on the, the front end so that I can make it the rest of it. The point is to be hungry. The point is to be empty. The point is to deny yourself. And again, when we look at things like self-denial, that's kind of a, a thing that many Christians are uncomfortable with because we've been taught our whole life, if you want something, just go get it. You don't have to deny yourself of anything. Hey, if you want a relationship with somebody, just go get it. And if you can't go get one, download an app that will help you find one. And, and if you can't do that, then go on some website and order yourself a, a bride from another country. If you want something, just go get it. Hey, if you're hungry at 2 o'clock in the morning, go to the Taco Bell drive-thru. And the funny thing is, if you've ever gone to the Taco Bell drive-thru at 2 o'clock in the morning, which I have because I'm married, um, you realize like there's cars wrapped around the block at 2 o'clock in the morning to get Taco Bell. Like the worst food known to man, right? <laughs> like people are waiting at 2 o'clock in the morning to have this. Why? Because we've been programmed, if you want it, just go get it. Well, I know, but it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. So what? Go get it. I know, but it's food that I'll regret two hours later. So what? Go get it, you know? If you want it, get it. But here's what Jesus says. If any man will come after me, he must first, what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. So self-denial is really just the beginning of following Jesus. 
<laughs> Look, if the only thing that you denied yourself was lunch one day, you haven't begun to follow Jesus yet. The Christian life is all about self-denial. And again, that's why many people want to push back against that. That's why many people want to find a more, quote, friendly version of God, which is an unbiblical version of God that God wouldn't want you to do without. God wants you to have abundance. Uh, God wants you to, like, open up your pantry and food just falls out, and you're like, have so much good stuff, you don't even know what to eat. And your, your bank account's running over with so much cash that you can't even spend all of it. And you're driving the car that when you drive past, everybody's like, whoa, look at that dude, because you're our, quote, blessed friend. The idols that this world has to offer are not blessings according to God. God says, you know what blessings are? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's the blessings that I want to give you. And I'm all I'm asking for you is that you would deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Very simple, but it's hard, isn't it? Again, I'm, I'm telling you, start small. If you, you might say, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to eat lunch today, but I'm not going to eat meat for lunch today. I'm going to eat something else. Hey, I'm not going to eat bread for a couple of days. And so I always tell people, don't overthink it, because sometimes you say, hey, I'm not going to eat bread this week. And then you go, go to the, the, the cabinet, and you're like, wheat thins aren't really bread. You know, it's like, I'm thinking like bread and a loaf. Like, it's not a baguette. Like, do you bake crackers? I mean, do crackers count as bread? What about tortillas? Tortillas are definitely not bread, but they're in the carb group. Maybe that would be. And so I tell people, don't overthink it. Just kind of set your boundaries. Here's what I choose to deny myself because I desire to be close to Christ. Now, none of this at all amounts to a hill of beans if you don't, first of all, have a relationship with Christ. And so you need to know for sure that you're saved, that you've been born again. Then you can begin to know what it means to be close to Christ and really know Him. But for those of us that are Christians, if you've never fasted before, give it a shot this week. Figure out a reason, purpose why I'm going to fast. Closeness to Christ, repentance of sin, uh, a a desire uh, for for God to do something in my life, a desire to to even be more connected to Christ. Decide when you're going to do it, what you're going to give up, what you're going to choose to do without. Uh, define what that time period looks like for you. Have a, a Bible reading plan or something you're going to pray for, or something you're going to meditate on, or verses you're going to work on memorizing during that time. And then, man, if that works out for you, you might try two meals. You might try three meals. You might try a week. Hey, I'm not going to eat solid food for a week or uh, something along those lines. But here's, here's the idea behind it. There's never going to be a time where we're going to compare what we've done because as we get to looking through this process, this is a private thing. Jesus says, when you fast, Don't let other people know that you're fasting. Wash your face, get up, take care of your clothes, and go on about your life as if nothing's changed. Again, if you're walking around going like, oh, pray for me, man. I've been fasting for like three days. God's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it's done. Now, again, it's not wrong to to tell people that you're fasting. If you're going over somebody's house for a meal or like, hey, man, let's grab lunch this week. Hey, I'm fasting, but I'd be happy to to sit down with you while you eat, you know. Um, I don't have a problem with that because you're not trying to show off. You're not trying to make a big show of it or anything like that. But you might even say with another friend, hey, let's fast this week. Uh, Let's Let's do without lunch on this particular day and, and you and I can, can pray together at that time or we'll meet up and we'll study scriptures because that should be part of our spiritual discipline. Jesus didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. Jesus didn't say, if you give. He says, when you give. 
Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. So let's make sure that we make that part of our spiritual disciplines. We'll dig in more next week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 